So this morning, we're kicking off, and I'm going I'm to give an intro to our theme of Abide, the power and the beauty of God's Word. And I want to start sh- just simply by the word Abide. You know, it's one of those words that I know most of us don't usually use. You know, when last did you actually use the word Abide? You say, come hither and abideth with me. I mean, that's how you spoke 200 years ago if you lived in... Or whatever. 400 years ago, if you lived in King James's England, you know, Shakespearean, and you spoke Shakespearean English. So it's a word, I was like, but that word, most people don't even know what it means. And so I just want to simply say, you know, the, the, the simplest way to describe abide is it means to remain. Or you could use the word like this. You could say about the place that you stay. You could say, I abide in number whatever, 154 Burkett Road. If you gave your address and you said, I abide in 16 Milner Road, that is a perfectly legitimate use of the word. It means the place you stay, the place you remain, the place we can find you, the place that, that you abide. And so when we talk about abiding in the word, We are talking about remaining in the Word. Does that mean you read your Bible all day long? Well, I wish, I can't even afford that luxury. You know, I've got a wife and children and dogs and cats and etc. that all need my attention and a church. And so I don't read my Bible all day long. But I endeavor to abide in the Word. What does that look like? Well, I'm endeavoring that the Word of God would shape and guide me in everything that I do, in every relationship, in every area of my life. I'm abiding in the Word in terms of what is determining what I will do in this situation and that situation. Well, it's the Word. Am I worried about what people are going to think and etc.? Well, if your main factor is what people are going to think in every situation, you may not be abiding in the Word. But if it's like, Lord, His word is His will. If your desire is, Lord, I want your will in this situation. I seek your will in this situation. I want to submit to you abiding in the word. And a couple of years ago, I was reading a book. Uh, It was a book on, on marriage, something. And they highlighted life's domains. And I hadn't heard the term before. And, you know, now it's so easy to research these things. I've subsequently done research on it. And... It's quite a well-known subject because it's sometimes very helpful when we think of the different areas of our lives and we assess or evaluate very different areas of our life. And beginning of the year, many people are doing that. You're kind of saying, okay, made it through 2021 and 2020. We're still here. How are we going to approach this next season? So... Absolutely, absolutely. My, my, one of my greatest desires is, Lord, I want to do your will, and your word is your will. I want to abide in your word. But I want to mention different life domains. Now, it's so interesting. There's no, the world has not agreed that there are so many life domains. The world will never agree on this. I, I was just doing some research, and I find lists of five life domains, six, seven, up to 12 life domains, okay? And it's not important how many there are. It's just important 
that we sometimes are aware of these different areas. In 2011, we took a sabbatical, and one of the things that was so useful in the sabbatical is from this book on marriage enrichment, he highlighted life's domains, and I took that list. And Jen and I sat down, and we assessed how we were doing in the various domains of life. And it was, uh, our, our assessment wasn't, wasn't very technical. It was simply, we had a little chat about each one, and we said, which of these areas are we doing okay in? And which of these areas do we need a bit of work? Do we need to put our faith in God and say, God, in this area, we need some breakthrough in this area or this area. And, and, I, and I remember, I won't share exactly what, but there was definitely one or two domains in 2011 where when we looked at it, we said, sure, we need to give these areas a bit of work. And based on that, we made some life decisions, okay? I won't say what they were. We made some life decisions that, because we were looking ahead, we were looking, literally, we were looking five years ahead, and we were saying, sure, we want to be there in five years' time. We need to make some changes, make some decisions that'll, that'll change some things in our lives that'll enable us to, to be in some places. And I remember... Five years later, when we got there and we were able to, to do what we had said we want to do, reflecting back on that chat we had in 2011 about life domains, and I was like, sure, I'm so glad. I'll tell you, in 2016, my daughter went to university, and we were looking, my oldest daughter, and we were looking five years ahead, and we were saying, <laughs> how are we going to do this, okay? And we were so glad we made those decisions. So seven life domains, I want to give you a list. The first is your physical domain, okay? Easy to get a handle on. You can touch and, and, and you know, your five senses engage with your physical domain. There's your social domain or relational domain. That's your relationships with people. That's family and friends and work colleagues. Okay, assessing okay, physical domain would include your physical body. When last did you actually do a physical Check up, okay? How's the physical exercise going? How is, you know, the diet, the eating going? How is sleep going? I mean, physical domain. Social do domain is friendships, family relationships, work relationships. It's an important domain in our lives. There is your emotional well-being. And I, and I want to say, this is... This is an important aspect. We did the Emotionally Healthy Spirituality course in 2019. It was so helpful just to say, sure, Lord, you are actually interested in this aspect of our lives as well. I just want to say about these domains, God's Word is applicable in all these areas. The Word says about physical, it says physical exercise is of value, but it says godliness is of greater value. But so, so these areas, God's Word can lead and guide us. You can't separate them out and say, well, the Word is only in the spiritual area. God's principles, His truth applies in all these areas. So physical, social, relational, emotional. Folks, I want to I put it like this. You know, when you get triggered emotionally, you know, what does that look like? When, when somebody... Somebody says something, does something, something happens, and you kind of emotionally, you know, if, 
if you look at that dial of where your emotions are, when it's going into the red zone, do you take time to actually with the Lord say, sure Lord, what was that? What was that about? What was that button there? Lord, can we assess that button? Lord, I, I want to figure this out. I, I, I'm not, I didn't, I didn't act respectfully there. Lord, help me with this area. So emotional. Okay, um, and this is, this is just another one, environmental. This is, this is bigger than just, you know, save the planet. This is, this is, for example, your home. This is, maybe you have a garden. <laughs> Some of us, maybe you have a swimming pool, okay. <laughs> this is your metron, but it's not your physical, your physical body. This is your physical surroundings. How are they, you know? Is there maybe something that you say, sure, I really need to get to do some maintenance in this area, etc. Financial, it's a big area. Financial, I'll tell you, this was an area in 2011 where, where we said, sure, we need, to, we need to make some decisions in this area. And absolutely, God's word has a lot of truth to be, to be spoken into this area. Financial, how's that area of your life? Spiritual, very important. And many people think, well, God's word, that's the spiritual aspect. The other domains, well, you know, not sure about it. Absolutely, God's word is pivotal in the spiritual domain. And then how about your intellectual or, or your, your thinking? The Bible says we are transformed by renewing our mind. As a man thinketh, <laughs> your thoughts will result in a life. And often, if you, if you kind of assess your life, maybe you want to assess, how come we got here? Assess your thoughts the last couple of years. So various domains. Now, what was just so helpful is sometimes just stepping back and saying, sure, let us look at these different areas. And Lord God, what does your word have to say? How are the truths and principles in your word going to guide me in these areas? So I'm, I'm saying that because I'm saying this word abide. You know, there's a picture of a door. This, this reality of abiding in the word is, is so much greater than just having great devotions every morning or evening whenever you do your devotions. Abiding is allowing the Lord to be with you, His truth to guide you 24-7. That is, that's, that's how we want to live. And I want to come back to this when I talk about abiding. You know, the Westminster Catechism has a, it was written in the 1600s by a number of Bible scholars. And, they, and it, it's structured in this way where they ask questions and then they answer them from Scripture. And the first question is this, what is the chief end of man? And the answer from Scripture is man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. You know, when I first heard that, I was like, to glorify God? Absolutely. And I want to submit to you, in your domains, as you assess your domains, ultimately it's like, Lord, am I glorifying you in this area? Am I glorifying you through my physical body? Does my environment glorify you? My room, my kitchen, etc. My finances, 
you know, all the domains. Do these areas glorify you? But these guys in the 1600s said this, to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. Wow. You know, when I first read that, it was the second part of that, that answer, to enjoy Him forever, that rocked me, and it still rocks me. And I want to say this, when we talk about abiding, we're talking about abiding in God's Word. Does it bring you joy? Do you find enjoyment in it? And I, wanna, I simply want to say this. Guys, you know, we, we so easily venture into legalism and just, we, we, like, we like rules. Life is easier with rules and regulations. And pastor, tell me what to do. How many verses must I read every day? How long must I pray, etc.? Just give me some rules so I can do it. Folks, I can give you rules. But I can't guarantee you that those rules will give you joy. Do we need principles? Absolutely. But folks, I want to say this. When we disconnect our lives, our hearts, from, from the Word, who is Jesus, and we're going to look at the Scripture, when it just becomes an intellectual exercise, the joy goes out of it. We don't enjoy it anymore. When we sense the breath of God on His Word, on His truths, joy comes into us. Faith arises in us. And it's like, Lord, I can do this. This is going to glorify you. I'm excited about doing this. I want to submit to you. When you abide in the Word, let's come to our devotions. Do you enjoy spending time with God? Do you enjoy reading your and I want to say, take a step back. Can we just reevaluate? Have are we still doing this with Jesus? We're just doing this for Jesus. Are we just doing this to get stuff from Jesus? I want to submit to you, the Lord wants it to be a joy. I am contending that abiding for me this year, I would pursue the joy of doing it. Not just the aspect of doing it. And I, I, I'm under no illusions that every time I open my Bible and read it, you know, there's amazing joy. But you know, if I, if I just take time and allow Jesus to bring life, to speak life, the joy comes. Amen? So often one of the biggest killers of joy is just rushing things. You know, quickly, you've got to read your Bible. Ah, we got this devotion. You know, it's on PDF. Okay, the pastor said you can do it in five minutes. Okay, here we go. Click. Let's read it. Okay, tick off. I've done my devotions. Where's the joy in that? You can do it in five minutes and have great joy. There are times where, you know, you've overslept and, you know, the baby kept you up all night and whatever, you know, your washing machine broke and the electricity went off and it's like, oh, Lord, where's the joy? I understand those things happen. So I want to challenge you when we talk about abiding in the Word. Let us press into enjoying it. Let us press into enjoying it. So I've, I've spoken about these different domains and I've said that our goal as Christians is to see abiding in all those domains. Amen? When we're exercising, when we're eating, when we're sleeping, 
when we're at work, when we're with our friendship, friends, when we're with our family, we want God, God to abide with us in all those domains. Amen. And I, and I want to I wanna share this with you because I'm challenged with this. The spiritual aspect is, a very important aspect, is our personal devotions. And I have never in all my 20 years of ministry been prescriptive about how you spend time with God. And the reality for me in 20 years, it has changed in so many ways. I could just speak, like for an hour, on the different ways that I've had devotions over the 30 years that I've been serving God. And I believe that is, that is absolutely okay. But I do want to say that there, how about, as you approach this year, how about mixing it up a little bit, okay? Back in the day, there was an app called Mixit, okay? How about mixing your devotions up a little bit, okay? There are elements in my devotions which haven't changed. I most often, I can't say, Bible reading is a part of my devotions. But it's, I've done it in so many different ways, different, different, different order of doing things, different ways you can read the Bible, etc. There are so many different ways. How about just mixing it up a little bit? I'm not saying don't do any of these elements, but I want to mention just six elements. And, and you know, I want to say to you, don't even try and do all six tomorrow morning when you wake up. Because that's not what it's about. I want to say, how about one or two of these elements, you try and say, okay, I'm just going to say, Lord, trust the Lord to lead you in this. Lord, I want to experiment with this aspect of having a devotional time with the Lord. And I'm going to mention just six elements. I could have put 12 down here. I don't want to. Because I don't want to submit to you, I don't necessarily do all of these every time I spend with the Lord. Time with the Lord. And I want to mention this first, and that is the aspect of worship. Now, many of you, when you say worship, you think songs. And worship with songs is such a blessing. I remember one guy, he was actually a worship leader. I don't know what got into him. And he had this thing that worship is not, we must disconnect worship from songs. And I think that's valuable to know, and I want to highlight worship is more than songs. But let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. And 2,000 years of an incredible rich heritage of writing worship songs and throw that out. And like, I'm going to do worship just without worship songs. You can or you can't, but let's not throw the baby out with the bathwater. I mean, nowadays with YouTube, it's so easy to just click on a beautiful worship song with lyrics. Oh my goodness, you know, that was when I first became a Christian. It was always like, I get, a, I get a tune in my head, but I don't know where to find the lyrics. You can't Google lyrics. And I had to work hard to get lyrics of some of these songs that were, that were going in my head. It's so easy. But I want to say this, you know, Bill Johnson said this years ago. I heard him saying this. He said, he said you know, if I happen to have 10 minutes to spend with the Lord, he said, I'll endeavor to spend at least eight minutes of those minutes just worshiping God and maybe two minutes praying. You know, when I heard that, I that was quite liberating and he didn't mention songs. And Bill Johnson for years was a worship leader. Folks, I've never been a worship leader. 
I've never sang in a, in a, in a worship band. But I worship. Why? Because you know, in our church, yes, we have a team that leads worship. But you know, worship isn't about them. I mean, I know this morning our worship team was not Intercoso and YouTube, you know. But, but we've always seen worship as something that we do as a church. And folks, you know, the, the Westminster Catechism, your highest chief end is to glorify God. Have, how many of you have just said, have found such a sweet place in terms of well-being in your soul when you're worshiping God? You know, I remember years ago, a pastor said, he said, I've come to realize that people connect more with God during a, worship, during a church service, doing worship than doing the Word. And he said, I'm totally okay with that. And do you know why people connect so deeply with God in worship? Because you were made to worship God. If your chief end is to glorify God, I want to submit to you, worship is one of the most beautiful ways you can. Absolutely, you don't just glorify God by worshiping. As you go to work and you rock up at work on time and you do the work that your boss is giving, you are glorifying God. Absolutely. But there is... You were created to worship. And do you know, Satan, the devil, was a created being by God. And if you're, we, we haven't studied this in a while, but he was created to direct worship to God. And pride rose up inside of him and he said, I want to be like God. And he was cast from heaven. And that is why one of the biggest things he will attack in your life is your desire and your capacity to worship God because you are doing the exact thing that He was created to do as a being created to direct worship to God. Folks, the sweetest places you will go to in 2022 is not any place on this planet. It is places in worshiping your Heavenly Father because you were created to glorify Him. Amen? And so what does worship look like? You know, folks, sometimes I sing with songs. Sometimes I'm just giving thanks. Sometimes I'm just focusing on Him and His goodness and His awesomeness and His pick an attribute of God of which there are thousands and just stand in awe. You can sing. You don't have to sing. You, you know, you can, bring, you can worship God in absolute silence with a heart that is just, and a, and a mind that is just in awe of God, you just, you're just standing in wonder at His beauty. That's worship. Will Johnson says, if I'm standing in a queue at the bank, and I have ten minutes that I can spend with the Lord, I'll spend eight of it in worship. You think in the bank he pulls out his guitar and he starts singing? No. You stand in the bank in the queue, and you can worship God. It's an attitude of the heart. So worship, how many of you feel comfortable with a devotional practice of silence and solitude? The practice of just waiting on God. Do you know it's something, the, the waiting aspect, it's something we've got to learn. It's something that we've got to practice. You know, worship is absolutely an attitude of 
you, all your affections are towards God. Silence is an attitude of saying, God, I love what Pete Cazorra says, come to me however you want to. It may mean that you feel His presence. It may mean that you hear something. It may mean that there is a deep yearning cry, pain, desire, something from within you that you have not had the space to bring to God, that it just, it just wells up, it just comes. There are times when in silence I just, I just cry. You know, my wife, there was a time for about three months in her life, whenever she came into the presence of the Lord, she just wept. She thought there was something wrong for her. She went for counseling. <laughs> she thought there was something wrong. Folks, there are times that when we come into the Lord's presence and we take all the stuff away, we just weep. And you know, sometimes it's just that your soul needs healing. And when tears go out, healing flows in. There are, I, there are times I've wept in the Lord's presence and I haven't known why. But because I trust God and I know this is God's zone, I'm just, Lord, I'll just cry here. I'll allow these te tears to come out. Because I know you're healing something in my soul. And if you want to show me what, what you're healing in my soul, that's okay. But if you don't, that's also okay. I'm okay. Can I say this? Real men cry. Okay? Real women cry. Amen? And it speaks about a vulnerability and a transparency before the Lord. Because you know what it's like. You, just, you don't cry in a place that you don't feel safe to cry. So what can happen in silence and solitude and waiting on God is just such a God zone. Maybe for you, you need to work on bringing some worship into your devotions. Maybe it's just one song that you sing along to and there's the lyrics and it's beautiful and I love singing. Maybe it's silence. Maybe it's reading the Word. It's spending time in God's Word. And this week, folks, if, if you are wanting to work on your time in the Word, then this is a good week to do so. The devotional that, we're, that we are, we've sent to you and will be sending to you, some of you, is just a tool to get you into the Word of God. And the theme of Abide, it is all about the Word of God. And, and uh, let me share it with you. So, how many, I don't know if how many of you have actually seen the devotional. So, in the beginning of the devotional, there's the, the, the intro about preparing for a fast, the kind of fast you'll have, uh, just some helpful things about fasting, if you are going to fast. No pressure to fast. But, today's devotional is about the word is like bread. And I'm going to ask you if you can get it ready, Glumela. Um, so, we've also, we sent it to you this morning, if you're on the broadcast. So, every day... There's a five-minute little YouTube video that we'll share with you. It's, it's on YouTube. You can find it as well if you don't want us to send it to you. It's a five-minute little video 
and it's done by an Every Nation pastor, different people from all around the world. Today's one is by Pastor Joey Bonifacio from the Philippines. I've met him in Cape Town a couple of years ago. He came and ministered. Really wonderful pastor. So he's going to be sharing, and we'll listen to this one, The Word is Like Bread. Then tomorrow, tomorrow's devotional theme is The Word is a Seed. So you will get the scriptures. You, so, so there's the video, but there's also the PDF document, and you can read the scriptures, and then there's, they, they, they talk about it. The word is a seed, and the power of the seed. How many apple trees are in one seed? Okay, there we go, day one. Day two, the word is light. Day three, the word is a mirror. Day four, the word is a hammer. Day five, that'll be Friday, the word is a sword. And then there's a concluding devotional on Saturday, the word is our foundation. So I'm just giving you the devotional topics that we'll be doing this week. And I'm going to be reading to you from John chapter 1 and a couple of verses in chapter 1. I'm not going to share all of them. But this, this first portion of John is it's not an introduction you know often when an author writes a book a book they 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 write an introduction and i want to read to you this was the commentary that i was looking at about these verses we're going to look at now in john chapter one this is remarkable a profound portion of scripture it's not merely a preface or an introduction John chapter 1 is a summation of the entire book. The remainder of John's gospel deals with the themes introduced here in chapter 1. The themes of the identity of the word. Life, light, regeneration, grace, truth, and the revelation of God the Father in Jesus the Son. That is just an introduction to these verses. So we're going to read from verse 1 to 5. And then I'm, I'm just, I'm, the portions I'm reading is where they're talking about Jesus. So in John chapter 1, he's also writing about John the Baptist. Because remember, uh, John the Baptist was very involved in the early ministry of Jesus. So I'm just, I'm just skipping over the verses that refer to John the Baptist. And I want to read about Jesus. I want you particularly to listen to how John describes the word and then what he says about Jesus. Pete Scazzaro, when I was um, just reading one of his books recently, he said, I've committed to read a portion of scripture from the Gospels every single day. And he says, the reason I do that is because I desire to know Jesus. And the Gospels are about Jesus. And so, when I was reading this, this portion of Scripture, I was, there's Jesus. This is what Jesus is like. I see my Jesus in these verses. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In Him was life, and the life was the light of men. 
The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Read from verse 9. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen His glory, glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, the only God, who is at the Father's side. He has made Him known. You know, this scripture, this portion of scripture, it's, it's like poetry. I don't know if, how many of you remember at school when you had to analyze poems. I read this and this is poetry. You know, it starts exactly the same way as Genesis 1 verse 1. Genesis 1 verse 1 says... In the beginning, God created. John 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I just want to highlight these verses. I'm talking about the Word as a devotional reality. We're talking about abide in the Word as a lifestyle. But folks, these verses highlight when we talk about the word it's not words in a book in a black book that you know your mother had on the, her bookshelf and she called it a bible that is the word but the word is so much more these verses reveal that the word is jesus the word is jesus when you read your bible and it comes alive to you what is happening there is incarnation. The Word is becoming flesh as we read there. The Word is it's coming alive to you. As you receive that Word by faith into you, that Word is becoming incarnational in you. It's becoming a part of who you are. And you are becoming like Jesus. You are the body of Christ. Now people look at you and they say, you are different. What's different about you? And the Word has become flesh in you now. Jesus is the Word became flesh. It is just a mystery to behold. You know this word, it's the word logos that he uses here, but in most Bibles, they, the word for word, okay, the word for word, is the word logos. But it's in capitals because it is referring to God. I want to say two things about this. John was speaking to Jews and Gentiles, which were the big demographic groups in his day. To a Jewish person, the word was synonymous with God. They had such a high regard for Scripture that, I mean, you, they would use, for example, the name of God in Scripture. If, if they wrote the name of God in Scripture with a pen, 
they would never use that pen again. And you know, they were, they were quills that were handmade. They would break it and throw it away because that was, it, you can't use it again. It's such a high regard. So a Jewish person, so he's speaking about the word is God. A Jewish person would say, I know that. I grew up with that reality. You cannot separate the word, in the, for a Jewish person, the Torah, from God. They, they are one. A Jewish mind worked like that. The word and God are one. But you know what's so interesting? Is he was writing in Greek. When John wrote this book, he wrote in Greek, which was the intellectual language of the day. I want to say that you could compare the Greek language in that day to English today. And why do I say that? Because English is a language that is used universally. I know not exclusively. I know they don't speak it in English, in England, in China and France, etc. But you can go so many places in the world and where you find English is a second language to so many people. That was the same with Greek. It was a language that... People could talk with each other across cultural groups. To a Greek person, do you know what logos meant? They used that word. And here, John is using the word logos. Logos was a word that to a Greek person meant understanding. If you said something made sense, you would refer to that as being logos. You know, some people talk and you're like, what on earth were they saying? I don't know, that didn't make any sense. And then you make, you know, somebody else may come along and say, listen, some of you experienced that with your lecturers. Eh? And then another friend comes along and says, okay, let me tell you what the lecturer was actually saying. And they explain to you what the lecturer was saying. If you're a Greek person, you would say, now to your friend who's explained what the lecturer was saying, you would say, oh, no, no, you're speaking logos to me. You're now making sense. I can understand this. And remember, intellectualism to a Greek was a very high highly valued place. And so when he uses the word to say this is the Logos, this is Jesus, he would have got the attention of the Jews and the Greeks. Just like that, they say, I'm with you, I understand. But what was phenomenal was he was saying, this reason, this understanding is Jesus. He's saying that to the Greek. He's saying this truth I'm bringing to you, this is Jesus. He's bringing them back to Jesus. If you read the New Testament, you cannot deny it's the main thing that the New Testament is about. It's about Jesus. And so I'm sharing this with you because I'm saying, we, this year, and, and my sense was, for this year, growing deeper in relationship with Jesus. Folks, growing deeper in relationship with Jesus involves abiding in the Word. Not exclusively. It's not the only way to get to know Jesus. I want to submit to you, it, you'd be hard-pressed to develop a deep relationship with Jesus if there was no place for the Word of God in your life. Jesus, this Scripture says, He is the Word. Now, when I, when I was sharing these verses with Jenny, she said, she immediately told me, she said, you've got to read this to the people. Okay? So now, my wife is with the kids. I think she is. She said she was going to the kids downstairs. She's not here. I don't know how many of you have ever seen, read the book, The Divine Romance. Okay, there we are. I knew Anne would raise her hand. <laughs> this book was written like 30, 40 years ago. And when I was a student, it was, amongst our student group, we, were, we all read it. It was just so beautiful. And my wife recently got it out. It is, it's written by a guy called Gene Edwards. 
And it is again, it's like poetry. He's writing about creation and God, but in such amazing poetic language. So here in chapter 2, he's writing about this. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. Remember, in Genesis chapter 1, it says, in the beginning God created. But how did He create? He said, let there be dot dot light. And there was light. So He spoke the Word. But this, in John, He's highlighting that the Word is Jesus. And when He spoke that, remember, Jesus basically did light. He said, Father, the Father wants light. Kaboom, there's light. I'm going to read to you how, in, it's chapter 2, it's very short in this book. It's literally two pages, less than two pages. How Eugene Edwards describes the act of the Father speaking the Word and everything coming into being. Are you okay? Have you got listening ears? Are you still awake? Just, just check with your neighbor. They're still awake? Okay. In the old days, we'd say, nudge them with your elbow. You can't do that anymore. Just listen to I just love this. No, Anna. Fervently, singularly, he went about the task of making real his highest dream. This, this book is called The Divine Romance. It's about the father's passionate desire for children, for companionship, for relationship with you and me. So he's introduced that. And in chapter 1, chapter 2, he's now going about his passionate desire for relationship with you and me. So I'm just giving the context. He went about the task of making real his highest dream. He knew now that he would never again be satisfied to be alone. Unending self-containment would end. This God now reached to an unprecedented act. For the first time in infinite history, the eternal word spoke aloud. Silence had not been necessary, but rather it had been a part of God's very nature, for all there was, was God. Now, He not only spoke, but He spoke aloud. His speaking was God expressing Himself, but because there was nothing there but God, it follows that His speaking was also God. His word was God. Henceforth, from that moment on, God speaking and God expressing Himself would be done by the Word, which was God. And so He spoke, let there be. In the speaking, He relinquished being the all, for He made room for something other than Himself. Something other, other than the all of God was to be present. For one brief moment there was God and a great abyss of nothingness. This nothingness was truly something very new. For until now there had been only God. Before he said let, there had been neither time nor space nor eternity. Neither creation or non-creation there had been no reckoning of anything except an endless, ageless God. But with the utterance of God, there was beginning. Never before and only once since then 
has there been such a radical change in the history of God. Now, let there be sounded across the sphere of nothingness. There came a blinding flash that filled that hollow void. Suddenly there was not only God, nothingness and beginning, not only the eternal uncreated God, there was now something created. There was light, created light, a reflection, a miniature replica of that uncreated light which was God, a picture of God now shared space with God. The living God now began to fashion a place, a place in Him He named the small place, eternity. Now He chose to fashion a yet smaller place within eternity. It would be a place where He would unfold Himself and there He would dwell. And because the smaller realm would be His dwelling place, He made it like unto Himself. He was and is invisible. Therefore, He made His realm invisible. He is holy, a holy spiritual being. Therefore, He made it a realm of spirituals, a place, this, without height or depth, or width or any dimension, a sphere without time, without space, for His outside time, space, even without dimension. Unmeasured, immeasurable, this realm, like God, fell outside finite understanding this invisible spiritual sphere was inside God and he called it the heavenly places this moment all things which he had created were in him now he did one of the most amazing things ever done he limited himself and having made himself be limited he enfolded himself and entered this place which had been inside him and having visited this newly made realm, it pleased him there to dwell. Wow. Wow. You know, it's one of those things, you read it and it's like, I'm going to read that again. I'm going to read that again. Do you mind doing backflips and side flips? You didn't know you could do mental flick flacks. There we go. I've shown you how. The Word. Folks, the Word is God. When God spoke the worlds into being, he said, let there be. Folks, this is the reality of spending time with the Word of God. It creates worlds inside of us. It ignites faith. It causes our spiritual eyes to see. Spending time in the Word of God is life-changing. I want to just conclude. And, and, and remember I said, we are looking at these various ways, elements of devotions. We looked at a time of worship, having times of silence, Spending time in the Word, and I want to say this, spending time in prayer. I believe it's so important that we have times where we express what is inside of us to our Father who longs to hear these things. And prayer, I want to say just two simple things in, about prayer. We can pray in the Spirit with our heavenly language, allowing our spirit man to pray pure pure, unadulterated hopes and desires to God, or we can pray with our understanding. I'm not doing a, a message on prayer so many ways. I then want to say, have you included the area of journaling in your devotional time? 
You know, journaling, some, I mean, again, you can buy books and, yeah, I mean, so many people have so much to say about journaling. Have you just got a safe space to write things down? Either that you feel God is saying to you, or just some things on your heart that you just need to get off your chest. You know what I, what I find, I mean, and, I, and again, books have been written on journaling. Now you, your mind and my mind thinks at three, four hundred words a minute. That's how fast you think. When you're praying, when you're worshipping, boom, 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 it's fast. When you write, I think typists can type like 60 words a minute or something like that. That's fast. When you and I journal, you're slowing it down. Some of us, 20 or 30 words a minute. Do you know how significant it is just to slow things down? And to be intentional in your thoughts. I've sometimes been so surprised. I'm thinking about something, three, four hundred words a minute, and I mean it's all over the place. And I am thinking about this, and it's all over the place. And I get my journal. For me, I have a little app. There are many journaling apps as well. I have a little journaling app. And I write down just a few sentences. And I feel the release. And I don't know if that releases because I feel like, sure, Lord, now you see what these, maybe God can't even figure out my three to four hundred words a minute that I'm thinking. I'm often surprised at how little I need to write before I feel, I've got it out there. I've got it down. There's, there, there's, there's this saying about, I'm just trying to think what the saying is, about when you express it, you you tame, oh, this is, when you name it, you tame it. I don't know if you've heard that expression. There's something about these three to four hundred words. You're thinking about something and you're trying to process it, you know, analysis, paralysis. And now you've got to write something because you've got to write sentences and make sense. Because you've got to put words, it's like, that's what it is. It just, it lands it for you. And I want to, I don't journal all the time, but I will regularly journal. A few times a month. I, I just say, it is an amazing, just God's space. So some people do booklets. Some people buy, a, a, a beginning of the year, some of you can hold up right now your, your, your journal that you got for this year. And that's awesome. Get a safe space. A journal is a book or a safe place that you can write things that's for your eyes only. It's a God's own. Maybe that you want to include in your devotions. And finally, I want to submit to you fasting. We, some of us are going to be fasting from tomorrow, not having solids, just having liquids. Remember, we don't fast liquids, okay? Have good liquid intake. Some of us are just going to be fasting one meal a day. Some of you are going to be fasting maybe meat, just having a Daniel fast and, and, and just having fruit and vegetables. Some of you may be fasting social media, okay? And some of you, in various ways you can do this, and your devotional booklet highlights that. Some people are, are doing a 21-day Daniel fast where they, you know, just eating fruit and veg for 21 days. Many ways you can do it. For some people, fasting is a lifestyle. One day a week, you don't have breakfast and lunch. And you have a 24-hour space in your, in your week where you are saying, I'm humbling myself, just as Joey said. Lord, I'm humbling myself before you. You know, the reality, as Joey said, you know, the thing about hunger 
If you're not hungry, you don't eat. If you're not hungry for God's Word, you don't read His Word. There's something that happens in my spirit when I'm fasting where I'm humbly coming before God and saying, God, I have to stay hungry for you. I can't afford to lose my hunger for you. Because if I, if I do, oh, you know, getting to that place of, you know, I've arrived spiritually, you know, I'm the hot rod around here. It's just such a dangerous place to be. The Bible says pride comes before a fall. But God gives grace to the humble. It is such, it's such a powerful place to be, to humble yourself before God. So, so I've mentioned six different elements of a devotional life. Maybe you've got to mix it up. The amount of time you spend on each, that's up to you. The time of day, it's up to you. I'm not making any suggestions. I brought six suggestions to you. Worship, silence, solitude, and waiting on God. The Word of God. Finding a place for the Word of God in your life. Finding a place for prayer. Incorporating some journaling into your time with God. And finally, fasting. Staying hungry for God. Lord, I just submit to you, Lord, this, this deep sense that you are calling us to deeper relationship with you this year, Lord. And Lord, that means that we need to be intentional to spend time with you, Lord. And so God, just as I lift before you for everybody, I lift for myself the various elements of a devotional time with you, God. God, would you lead us, Lord? Lord, some of us had amazing devotions in last year, Lord. But Lord, you say about the manner that you provide, that, that, that Lord, you have new mercies for each day, new manner for each day. So God, we, we even just lay before you our victories, Lord. Because sometimes <laughs> that's the very thing that can trip us up when we think we've got a recipe for success. Lord, we just say we want to be led by your Spirit, Lord. Yes, Lord, we do want to, want to be disciplined. That's the essence of, of being a disciple. Is there's, there's conviction in us and we are, we are following. But Lord, it's about walking with you. It's about abiding with you. It's about dwelling with you. God, I pray for every single person here, Lord. That abiding would be a reality for them this year, Lord. Abiding in, in times of devotions, but Lord, probably mostly, Lord. Abiding on Wednesday afternoon, Lord. And Thursday morning, not just Sunday morning, Lord. May we abide. May we know the reality of abiding, Lord. Of remaining staying of dwelling with you we pray this in jesus name amen god bless you folks we hope you've enjoyed this message for more information please visit our website at www.hispeoplepmb.co.za 
And for more of our messages, visit our YouTube and SoundCloud channels, as well as other podcast platforms. If you would like to contact us, please email us at hispeoplepmb at gmail.com or send a message to 061-452-0877. To join us for in-person services, visit us at 154 Burkett Road, Scottsville, Peter Maritzburg. We hope to see you soon. God bless you.